If you would, please open up with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1, we're uh, continuing in our sermon series uh, of encouragement, Ephesians, and you. Uh, the basic definition for encouragement, remember, is positive forward movement. And if you haven't been with us, the movement is straight towards heaven. It's straight towards Christ-likeness. It's straight towards bringing things on heaven and things things on earth into unity, okay? That's from the scriptures in Ephesians 1. Go back and listen if that piques your interest. But that's not this morning. This morning we have a furtherance of the thought. Paul is continuing in a long and beautiful sentence. And, and as I was praying and thinking through, and I'm sure you've already guessed it, what the emphasis might be today. It's on this word inheritance. Uh, I uh, thought uh, about... Uh, the reality that the Bible does talk a lot about inheritance. It can sort of be like one of those let's not bring it up things. Um, it, it sort of falls into the money category, worldly speaking, like Mary Emmeline told me uh, just a, a few minutes ago. Uh, and so maybe it's like church money and politics, you know, like it, maybe it kind of falls into that money piece. But nowadays, uh, it also falls into that political piece too. Uh, as I was thinking about inheritance and what the scriptures have to say on it, we're going to get there. Uh, but I couldn't help but be reminded of a modern day movement. A 21st century thing that has become, uh, in certain circles uh, that are very elite and, uh, if I might say it this way, very liberal, uh, there has been a desire not to give inheritances to the children. Uh, the desire is that uh, perhaps, you know, you would kind of have to go on your own. You know, you would, you know, if you wanted to make it really positive, you know, you, you need to learn the basic skills, right? You don't want to be, uh, especially for these elite, right, trust fund babies. Uh, uh, my children, maybe y'all's too, probably never has to worry about that. I think, you know, we kind of find ourselves in a different category, uh, even the most financially blessed amongst us. Uh, but uh, I couldn't help but just dig into this. This happened a while ago, and it's one of those things I filed away because it really threw me off guard to see the rhetoric and the language where, as I saw it, and as I thought uh, to myself, man, I'd hate to be their children. Uh, because uh, maybe as you heard, with something as simple as a bowl, those parents are giving an inheritance to their children. Uh, it reminds me of a terrible illustration that was used, uh, and I'm going to use it now because it's just so bad, about a father who stood his child on a chair and said, jump to me, son, I'll catch you. And uh, of course, the uh, child was a little nervous, right? Jump to me, son, daddy's got you. And of course, when the child jumps, the dad took a step back, kid fell flat on his face and said, first lesson in life, don't trust anybody. It's a terrible life lesson from your father, right? And the same thing runs true with this style and movement of withholding inheritance if it's not done properly. Listen, I'm not asking any of you to tell me what you're doing with your inheritance or casting some disparagement on you if y'all are moving in some similar fashion because I would trust that those conversations would be having a positive way with your children if that was the move, right? But that's not the case here. It's to make a point just like that terrible illustration of a terrible father. 
And I get that from the word. Let's bring it to the Bible, though, because, because there's a problem that can be found in the Bible all the way in the book of Numbers. And I made a joke about Leviticus last week, uh, your, your Bible reading plans. I might as well make a joke about Numbers now for the Bible reading plan, right? Everybody remembers the first part of Numbers because, surprise, surprise, it deals with Numbers, right? A lot of numbers, man. A lot of numbers. There are so many numbers. And only the engineers and mathematicians have done the math and thought, wow, that's a lot of people. The other people are thinking, man, can I get through this, right? Uh, but all the way as you go through, you see a problem. A problem forms. And the problem surrounds the daughters of Zelophehad. A Zelophehad is a man who is a follower of God. He finds himself within the people of God. They are coming into the promised land. They are receiving land. And that land is running through the male heir, the inheritance, God's gift to the people. And this man, Zelophehad, had daughters. And these daughters had a problem because there was no brother that Zelophehad could lean on. No uncles, no cousins. The land would fall from Zelophehad's name and fall from their name and go back into the clan. If the clan would even get it, it might even go beyond just into like God's people's land, the state's land, right? It didn't feel right. And so the daughters of Zelophehad went to Moses and they explained their problem. And Moses went to the Lord. Our main point today is that God's gifted inheritance is encouraging to the Christian. Let's pray and then we'll dive into God's word in Ephesians. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for this encouraging inheritance. But what does that mean? Reveal it to us today in your word, by your spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God, this word, it stands and remains forever. You'll have it in heaven, is what I sometimes say. Now, God's gifted inheritance is encouraging to the Christian. Remember, that means that it is moving us forward into a more Christ-like manner, into a closer relationship to God, uh, closer to heaven, I might say. All right? If this is the case, how, who, and why are the points? How do we get the inheritance? Who gives us the inheritance? And why? We get those answers from verses 11 and 12. Our first point, how do we get the inheritance is the first part of verse 11. In him, we have obtained an inheritance. In who? In the Lord Jesus is who? In God himself who sent his son. In the son who willingly went. In, in the father and son who sent the willing helper, the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the one who would, as it were, give us the gift of faith, enact within us that which we need to be saved. 
That's the reality. It is in God, in Christ, that we have redemption. And, and how does this bear out? It bears out by his sacrifice for us. This is bare bones gospel, y'all. Jesus came. Jesus is God. He clothes himself in flesh. It is like sinful flesh, but not sinful, right? Because the Holy Spirit is the one who came into the womb of Mary. And so now we have this perfect child who lives in perfection. 10, 20, 30 years. And now we have this perfect teacher who has opened up the word and taught even from such a young age and astounded the teachers at the temple. The professors, if you might say it that way. The pastors are thinking, man, Get this guy a mic until he gets older and until hearts start to change. Because as Jesus lives his life and as he is revealing the word and what must take place, what is it? It's that the Son of Man must be accosted. He must be severely beaten and mocked and torn. He must suffer and then die at whose hand? Not the people. But at the Father who sent him, wrath being poured out upon the Lord Jesus for all the sins of the people. And in that moment, in that moment, righteousness being conferred on those same sinful people who are sinful no more. Sins paid for, debt clean, riches given, inheritance given. One that is imperishable. Jesus himself told you, what? Moth. Rust, dust, none of it can take away uh, my little bowl. It's got some, some, some marks on it. Uh, it's broken and beaten. It's been in so many different moves. My grandfather's in the Air Force, a career Air Forceman, a military man, Hawaii and Kansas, uh, uh, down into Alabama, all uh, Alaska, all over the place, not to mention wars. Uh, and, and, and what is it? It's beaten up and almost broken. But there's something more that Jesus gives us. It can never be taken away because Jesus procured it. It can never break. It can never rust. It is an inheritance of eternal life, of salvation. It is the inheritance of every believer in the Lord Jesus that is held firm in place by Jesus himself, by God himself. And this in and of itself is where we can stop. That is most encouraging to the Christian. The how. But there's also a who and a why. Because not only do we see how we get the inheritance through the work of the Lord Jesus, the good news is what we call it, the gospel is what Jesus came to preach and to teach and to show and to reveal and to do. Now we see who gives us the inheritance, which is the second part of verse 11. Because in him we have obtained an inheritance. But who's it from? Well, we see, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Listen, y'all. I know. I know. I said it before. I'll say it again. 
Uh, this predestination word, it can be one that tickles the wrong parts of our human minds. It can be tough because we run up against the sovereignty of God and we run up against our own finiteness and God's infinite wisdom. And some of these things just don't make sense to us. And some of these things are very weighty. In fact, our standards, those things that we say, summarize the Word of God in the best way. It's, it's the standards of our denomination. It's what I uh, confess and hold to. It's a beautiful representation within the bounds of the largest document, the Westminster Confession of Faith. There is a chapter on this very issue, predestination, election. And these men then hundreds of years ago, when this really wasn't even as big of a deal, said, you must handle this very carefully. It is not an issue to be easily ironed out in the people's minds. It's difficult. It's large. And yet God has revealed it to us. And so here we sit, writing and recording the truth of God. That he is the one who is giving his people an inheritance. And this comes from the counsel of his own will. He is the one who has shown his love to his people. It is God and God alone who can procure this. Who can give this. Who can reveal this. And who can keep this throughout all time in him. We have redemption through his blood. This is verse 7. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. We must remember these pieces. The, the mystery of his will. The wisdom. The purpose. All of these things bear out by God's love to his people. And So we come now back to verse 11 in him. We have obtained an inheritance having been predestined. That's the people of God according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. It's not your will. It's not my will. But it's thy will be done. If you pray the Lord's Prayer like I do. On heaven and on earth, by the way, if you think about it. God is the one who gives it. And this can be so difficult for us. And we must take it soberly. And we must take it seriously. And we must take it uh, uh, gently. But it is something that is revealed in the scriptures. It's something that we must begin to see and hold fast to. Because it's not only uh, what we want to think of, which is negative. But it is also uh, bearing out in full positivity. In full encouragement here as we see that the Lord Jesus has done a work on our behalf. But it is God the Father. Father who gives you the inheritance and he chose you well before you ever existed who gives us the inheritance it is God who gives it we'll come back to that I promise but we see how the gospel we see who it's God the Father it's God himself who is working out his own will in in this movement but why? I've said this before when we were on this issue of God's sovereignty. Why? Why me? 
Most of you know me and you'd say the same thing. And if you really knew me, you'd say it even more. Why him? Why you? Why? Our third point, verse 12. Why is the inheritance given? So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Jesus, when he was preaching and teaching, uh, taught sometimes in parable. And he did this one parable that was quite offensive, actually, because uh, some people were moaning. They were complaining. They were uh, whining because uh, God's people, that is the Jews, uh, that is those who had been God's people uh, uh, since God had called Abraham, uh, the Hebrews, as, as these people had all of this history, there was a problem. Jesus was coming, and Jesus was preaching not only to the Jew, but then all of these Gentiles were listening, liking it, and believing. And the Jews said, hold up a minute. No, that's not how it works. And Jesus said, if you recall, I'm paraphrasing. No, it is. You've been misreading my father's words. <laughs> You've been re misreading my word, right? You have, you have not had the full picture. Let me show it to you. Let me show you the fullness of grace, the fullness of truth, and how these things collide in the mercy of God by sending his son, which is me. And I testify to these things, right? And as he was teaching and preaching in one of these parables, uh, he talked about working. And this one gets us even to this very day. You know, you hire somebody at 5 o'clock. You say, come in at 5. I'm going to pay you, uh, I'm gonna pay you $500 for work today. If you come in, it's a lot of work. It's back-breaking work. I need you to dig all this stuff. I need you to move this. I need you to do all of these things. Say, okay, I got you, boss. I'm going to get 500 bucks today. That's nice, right? Uh, that's like the Jews, okay? They have been doing this work on behalf of the Lord. That's like the covenant member of the church who's been here for, as we were mentioning in our thing this morning, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years. But then, you know, it gets around 7 o'clock and I have too much work. And I say, hey, I'm going to hire you. 500 bucks, get it done. I say, okay. And, you know, the person who got hired at 5 says, all right, you know, a couple hours. My back's already a little sore, but that's okay. It's not too bad. Ah, 12 o'clock rolls around. I say, hey, 500 bucks. Get it done. Work till the end of the day. Okay, okay. Hire another, another, another. 5 o'clock rolls around. I hire one more until the sun sets around 6. Pay time comes and everybody gets 500 bucks. Person who got hired at 5 is a little upset. Don't I either get more or don't they get less, right? Isn't that how it works? No. That's not how it works. That's not how the inheritance of God works. That's not how inheritance works. Maybe y'all have been a part of this thing before. It's not who helps the most that always gets the biggest inheritance. And that's the world. God has a people. And whether you're his people like the thief on the cross who believes just for a moment and then dies, or whether you're the one who believed from the very beginning or the very second you were born like John the Baptist, jumping in the womb for joy at the presence of the Lord Jesus, the inheritance is the same. Eternal life in the Lord Jesus. And we praise God for it all the same. In fact, the Christian rejoices at 
one more lost sheep coming home before the day is done and judgment comes. Because that's what we're about, right? On this earth now is to bring more home to offer up the gospel of Jesus that many might believe because there is a time coming when that can't be done. And so why is the inheritance given? So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. These first ones, Matthew, Peter, Andrew, James, John, Thaddeus, Judas, not Iscariot, and on and on. Are they better than you? Did they receive something different? What is their inheritance? And what is yours? Verse 12 is so easily skipped over because of the content that comes before and the content that comes after and the seeming confusion or desire to skip over the reality that we see before us. Why are we given the inheritance? It is to glorify God. Why uh, does your pastor preach the gospel of Jesus Christ? It's to glorify God. Why does our denomination desire to plant churches? It's to see God get more glory. Why do you want those people to come to faith that are not believing? Well, there could be a few reasons. At first, you might just think, well, listen, straight up, I don't want them to go to hell. That's a great reason, but it's not the only reason. And actually, it's not the primary reason for the Christian who fully reads the Scriptures. Verse 12 tells us it's that God might get even more glory and praise. That is what the Christian is about. is the glory of the God of the universe. The one who exists, who is, who was, who is to come, who will always be, and who has allowed us to always be in fellowship with him through the inheritance that we have been given, which is to even more praise and glory of him. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Verses 11 and 12, powerful verses unto the Lord. Let's apply it very quickly. Because we think about God's gifted inheritance. We think about it being encouraged, encouraging to the Christian. Let, let's apply it though to see how we might uh, get some forward movement. And remember as we've been talking about this, you know, encouragement is forward movement given to us by God. Forward movement can happen in a couple ways. Uh, it can happen by dragging, okay? Uh, I, I'm a dragging Christian. God dra has to drag me, right? Uh, some of y'all are walking Christians. Some of you are crawling Christians. Some of you are dragging Christians, all right? Uh, it just is what it is. And the Lord forward moves us somehow or another, right? You can flop, you know, Isaac or something, flop down. He's still going to get where I want him to go, okay? Uh, it's, it's positive forward movement. How we go about it is interesting. So, the first application that we need to think about as we think about verses 11 and 12 and God's inheritance is which inheritance are you valuing more? God 
or money. You can't have two masters. I, I don't need to go further. That's the application. Yes or no? You know what to do next. Number two. Do you know that your inheritance affords you family inclusion? Let me illustrate. Uh, you drive up to the house drunk. You crash the car onto the curb, you know, right? A uh, little bit of damage to the car, a lot of damage to the yard, and you get out. Not only does it turn out are you drunk? But you're also on some kind of drug. You haven't showered in weeks. You're dirty. You're nasty. You smell. And you barely made it home. And you're not even in the right mind to know how you got there, why you got there, but you knew you needed to get there. And the door slings open. And the father runs out to get you. And not only does he get you, but he holds you. Smell and all. And not only does he hold you, he takes you into the house. And he bathes you. And he cleans you as, as if you were an infant in need, which you are. And he puts new clothes on you. And he sets you down at the table with everyone else who is sitting there. Your family. And he says, we got to get out the expensive steaks. The cowboy ribeyes. For me. I don't know what it is for y'all. <laughs> Whatever the expensive lettuce is, I don't know. <laughs> get out the biggest, best thing you like and think of. The most expensive no holds barred, bust the credit card on it. Because my son came home. Because my daughter is home. She made it. And she's here with us again. And so let's celebrate tonight in the right way, rejoicing. It's family inclusion. We're not well. Uh, we're not early to the party. Uh, we're the drunkards. Not in our right mind. Broken. Dirty. And God cleans us up. And he sets us down at his table. It's an inheritance given. It's family inclusion. And then lastly for application. There are a lot of reasons to praise God for his infinity, for his presence, for his wisdom, for, for, for. But if what I just said is not one of the reasons that you praise God, consider it. <laughs> That's it, just period. Consider it. Just consider it and let it be a reason you praise God. That is what verses 11 and 12 are about. Zelophehad's daughters went to Moses and they said, we have a problem. Our daddy is going to be forgotten. 
It's not us that we're worried about, Moses. This is not a, uh, a moment where we're trying to stick it to the man, Moses. Didn't God promise that he would give us an eternal inheritance? And that that inheritance would be seen through the land? And our father is going to be forgotten. Is God one who breaks his word? Tell us now so we can know. And Moses took it to the Lord. And the Lord responded. He responded to the daughters of Zelophehad through Moses. And do you know what he said? I'm paraphrasing again. Y'all look it up if you're really curious. He said, your father will not be forgotten. That inheritance is yours. It's not a male-female thing. That's the tradition. But this is revealing my love for you. And I am going to bless you with land. Because the land is not just land. It's not just a bowl. It's not just money. It's a revelation of my son whom I will send for the salvation of your souls. Believe in me as your father. And the daughters of Zelophehad went. Rejoicing. Look it up. God is about his people's inheritance. And God's gifting of that inheritance is most encouraging to the Christian. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you for an inheritance given to us by you through your son Jesus, uh, um, uh, signed, sealed, and delivered, I might say, by your Holy Spirit. God, thank you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.